Hello, this is Jeff Vanderstelt, Executive Director of Saturate and the host of the Saturate podcast. Saturate exists to serve and equip leaders to start and strengthen unified gospel city movements that lead to gospel saturation. To the end that every man, woman, and child has repeated opportunities to meet Jesus through his church on mission everywhere and every day. We believe this is gonna require, as Jesus prayed in John 17, that the church is unified in a region and is also collaborating around five key initiatives that we see in Acts 13 and 14 that Paul worked out in his mission. And that is citywide prayer, leader health, disciple-making strategies, serving the city and kingdom initiatives, and then starting new churches. Today, we're gonna to spend some time on disciple-making and also lean a little bit into uh, prayer because the guests that I have with me are very effective in, in both living out a spirit-empowered discipleship and missional life, but also really, really good at training other leaders to do it. And so they've been friends of mine for a very long time. They're two of my most favorite people in the world. Any chance I get to be with them, I will change my schedule to try and spend time with them. Uh, they are just a, a gift to the church and a joy to be with. So I'm so, so happy to have Alex and Hannah Absalon with us. And they, uh, if you don't know them, after you listen, you're going to want to get to know them and you're going to want to reach out to them because they are incredibly skilled at training and equipping leaders, especially in the area of Holy Spirit empowered discipleship and mission. So. Alex and Hannah, thank you so much for making time to be with us. And I was, I'm just thrilled. I mean, I'm really thrilled that you are on this podcast because I, if people don't know you, they need to know you. So thank you for making the time. And would you tell us a little bit about yourself, some of your story, some of your journey and what you're doing now? Well, hello, it's a real privilege to be here. It's so nice to be with you again, Jeff. I'm gonna, I think I might hire Jeff, but, but every time we go somewhere, we should get him to introduce us. It's like the best introduction <laughs> I know, I've so ever had. <laughs> it's true, man. I'm not, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm gonna introduce this person. I know them kind of, you know, and I'll say what I think I know. With you guys, man, this is, I could have gone on and on and on. I'm gonna take that snippet and play it to my kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, before you even go into an introduction, I, the one thing people, like, I, I would love people to know this. One of the first times we were together, I think it was at Verge, oh, wow. yeah. and I, w I was having a really uh, painful headache. It was almost like a migraine, and I was going to have to go speak. And you said, why don't I just pray for you? We were at a restaurant. I don't know if you remember this. I remember. And you prayed for me, and I was healed. I mean, it went away, like, immediately. And I'm like, okay, these are people. This, this is a guy, and I wasn't with Hannah at that point, but... Since then, I've gotten to know the better part of Alex, which is Hannah. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but I mean, from that point on, I'm like, man, this is a guy I want to spend time with. And now a couple that I want to spend time with because you, you, uh, I, I guess, you know, just like, like you describe, you naturally live a supernatural life. And, uh, and I got to be a beneficiary of that in that moment. So yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, I'll start. So um, I was raised in a Christian home and, um, yeah, a bit of a crazy Christian home, a sort of very open house, lots of people coming through. We have missionary families coming and living with us. And there was this real move of God that went on in the UK in the 70s and 80s when I was uh, being raised. And so 
the church, this new church started the, the house church movement, which is what my parents were involved in. And that's how I was raised. And so we had all these sort of signs and wonders happening in the churches. And in my homes, my parents were so hospitable and all these, you know, missionaries coming through the meal table. So many people, we had homeless people coming through. We had missionaries, we had neighbors, we had visiting speakers, we had uh, missionary kids come live with us for a while. But it was just this, 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 mishmash of craziness but rawness and realness and space for the spirit to move and so I saw stuff from an early age and so all I'm eldest of four and all four of us are walking with the Lord my my next sister Dan had space away and I, but she always said I knew that God was real I knew that the things of the spirit were real because of all that I'd experienced growing up so it's just time for her to, mm-hmm. to come back and so that's had a, a marked sort of you know you know, how, how I was raised is it, I wanted to raise our kids. You know, when we mm-hmm. met and married mm-hmm. and had kids, I wanted to make sure that we were doing this with our kids. And it's real. It has to be naturally, naturally supernatural um, and authentic and in the everyday stuff of life, not just for the, the, the holy people or the trained people, but for all of mm-hmm. us, how do we live like this? Mm-hmm. So that's what we have just that's how I grew up and that's what we've tried to do and and that's how we just try and disciple I think the dining table metaphor I think is massive um for our own children but our spiritual children and the people non-christians I believe you can disciple Mm non-christians you know we have our neighbors in for a meal and we're praying with them and doing all sorts with them um as we go so it's just this natural way and just including everybody on that journey I love it so good um so I, I wasn't raised in a christian household so i come from I like to church say i'm from good pagan stock uh and <laughs> i got saved uh, in, when i was 15 on a summer camp uh, and uh got discipled at school primarily and was uh, uh so i was taught to read my bible and to pray and all that sort of good stuff and to share my faith which i was very zealous about doing <laughs> at school. And so you had to learn this, some of those lessons. Um, I remember once someone rather foolishly gave me this this book of like Christian drawings that you could cut out. And I made this big kind of collage and it was all lots of um, egg timers with the sand running out saying, you know, time is running short, you know, turn or burn sort of thing, uh, which caused great controversy at school and that, that bit. But um, so my evangelistic methods have slightly modified over the years, but uh, <laughs> slightly more original now. <laughs> and then, um, and, but then particularly, the, then, but then the learning how to experience life in the spirit. And I can remember reading the Bible and reading about supernatural things and going to older Christians and saying, I'd love to do the, these healing things. Can you show me how to do them? And everyone just like stare at their feet and, and clear their throats and couldn't think what to say. And they, someone would say something like, well, I guess we don't really do that stuff this day. And I'd be like, well, why? And no one could give me a satisfactory answer. And so for me, one of the pivotal times was I spent a long summer in South Africa when Apartheid was still in force, working with a Christian agency out there. And they started doing missions to the cities of Africa, evangelism cities of Africa. But they had this beautiful base, um, great Bible teaching. Uh, they were very, very intentionally multiracial, which was very controversial in South Africa at that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually behind the scenes, they secretly facilitated peace talks between the white nationalist government and the ANC, which is now historically uh, on the record um and so lots of serving the poor going to townships um doing all that stuff but also they they um very strong on the power of the holy spirit so i had this deep induction from the lord during the months there 
So I remember uh, going with an Indian evangelist to an Indian community in Durban because it was very racially segregated like that. Uh, he'd, he'd, point at, he'd point to me in front of everyone and say, this is my little pink friend, is how he introduced me. <laughs> um, he, was, he was a funny guy. And, um, but I can remember um, in, this, in this gathering, one, in, in a home, and there was hordes of people flooding in. A lot of them were Hindus and people coming to Christ. Uh, and as they cut off little bracelets, they'd, String, orange strings around their, ra- their wrist had made vows to Hindu gods and demons manifesting. So, you know, and then watching healings take place. So I remember being, you know, one that really stuck on was I watched a woman who had one leg about four inches shorter than the other and it just grew out within about two seconds. Her family, who were Hindus, all freaked out because they were there holding her leg as it grew and they all come to faith and all this stuff's going on and you know the lord speaks to me prophetically while i was over there and and i felt god god say to me go and do this in the west and that's that's kind of been a driver for us not we we met subsequently i was hannah ski instructor in austria <laughs> and she chased me remorselessly yeah, right. all over the alps yeah, right. and uh, <laughs> i didn't know that about you really <laughs> yeah don't go down that rabbit trail okay even though it's a good one um, yeah another another time another time oh can you watch my hips as i go down this hill uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so we got married uh and obviously uh we we're living in london so we led a church plant for four so years. So you ordained to the Church of England. Ordained to the Church of England. Ordained to the Church of England for four years. Yeah. Church plant. And then got called actually out of the Church of England. Well, it was basically a positive call to, to the free church, my home church, yep. where I grew up in yep. Sheffield, the north of England. Yeah. And we were there for nine years. Ended up um, leading that church to join another big church in the city. Did a lot of stuff on missional living. Uh, and then the Lord called us to the USA. So mm-hmm. we, we've been here since 2007. Uh, with our three sons who are now young adults and they're all really strongly walking with the Lord, which is amazing. Kingdom leaders, amazing. They are. And um, uh, so we, we've, we've, we'd say as a fam, we would say we are a family of missionaries to the United States. Mm. That's our core calling these days. And so the thing we, 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 we've been in church leadership all of that time, but for the past five years, uh, we've been focused on serving the wider church full time. And so we lead dandelion resourcing. So dandelion like the, 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 the seed head and we it, the, well you say that because that was your picture sure so we were you know sort of doing this wider ministry and um thinking okay we need a name for this and we're coming up with all these christian cliche names or whatever oh yeah they're not right no i'm not sure about this and we're just you know seeking the lord for a name and i remember we were driving into our neighborhood together one one time and this picture just came to mind and of this dandelion seed head and i turned to her and said Dandelion, the name mm-hmm. Dandelion. He said, "Yes, that's totally it." And it's just this picture of the seed head, and it's just so light and so easy, and it's the wind of the spirit that just blows these seeds. We just need to posture, you know, our words, our life, our attitude, our access, whatever it is, and it's the spirit that blows on them. And then you never know where those seeds land and how prolifically they can grow in any nook and cranny. But I love the lightweightness and of it all mm-hmm. and it's the spirit that makes it happen so we would say that we the essence of what we feel called to do is naturally supernatural discipleship and mission mm. and we think that's so that's kind of think of those as three think of a venn diagram three overlapping circles discipleship being on mission being empowered by the spirit being naturally supernatural and all three inform one another and where you have an element missing things don't mature how they're meant to but if you really want to see more of god's kingdom come 
in cities and you know to saturate the cities to saturate the nation um then uh, i th- we would propose that you need all three of those elements at work and probably the thing that if we were well we love all well obviously we love all three but i think if if i was going to give a quick assessment of where the western church is right now i think the weakest one of all those is mm. uh, the naturally supernatural piece i think there's all three have got weaknesses, obviously, and we, we've done lots of work on all of them, like you have, Jeff. But I think that the uh, a how do we find biblical, practical, simple ways to lean into life in the spirit, so that that then shapes Which are not crazy and wacky yeah. out there. Absolutely, yeah, because yeah, that's that's why some people actually are so uh, almost opposed to mm. it, is they've seen perversions or distortions or even abuses at times, haven't they? Yeah. So obviously we mourn with, with those folks in those situations and yes. there's people, there's some really bad things that, that people have experienced. Having said that, I would propose that the answer to wrong use is not no use, but right use. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we need to go and keep going back to scripture because I, I think Jesus is really, really clear. This is how we're meant to live. It's not just a one little moment. He says it. He says it repeatedly. And then in the, Acts, they repeatedly mm. model this. And then in the letters, we get repeated instructions. This has to be central to mm. how we live out our disciple-making and our mission. Well, again, if you go, we've be, be both done this as a discipline, just reading through the Gospels and Acts in light of the things of the Spirit. And we always, you know, did a spreadsheet of, you know, when you get think, you know, moments of healing or prophecy or deliverance or miracles occurring. But, you know, just read it in that light of this naturally supernatural way of operating. It's just fascinating. Yeah, it's very, very strongly there. I love the phrase naturally supernatural. And uh, I mean, I think people are already catching what you mean by that, but tease that out a little more. I mean, I, I love the picture of the dandelion. That's a that's perfect picture of what I think you mean. But uh, as you as you describe that, like when you go into a church setting or you go and meet with leaders and you're trying to describe, what do we mean by that? What What would you say is the reason for that phrase? And what does it mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I think um, basically it's, you know, we have to be doing this stuff in in the spirit, but we have to make it organic and natural. I think sometimes, you know, people can think of things as a program or they're forced or artificial or hyped or that sort of thing. But that's not what we're wanting. You know, it's just the way we live, the way we operate, who we are, the way we are submitted to the Holy Spirit and allow him to work and operate through us. It just has to come out, you know, it's not going to be perfect every time. We're going to make mistakes as we go along and that's all part of it. So we have to have the guardrails up. We have to, you know, show people, okay, you operate within these boundaries or whatever. Um, But, but, you know, this has to be a a lifestyle. Mm. Mm. We were in a restaurant a couple of weeks ago and, uh, so we, we were having a meal and it's really sweet uh, young woman was serving us and I just as we kind of finished up the meal I felt the Holy Spirit just say to me um, you know just like ask me for a word for her so I was like okay you know and so I just paused and asked the Lord for something and I find actually often when when I'm with someone who's probably an unchristian then I will be both since a lot often God speaks to people about their identity or their destiny mm. Basically, he's answering the two great questions of life. Who am I and why am I here? Mm. And 
it, these will be words that are encouraging and life-giving and calling out the gold in someone's life. You know, I think stepping out that story, it's so easy to spot the messes, but there's no prizes for doing that. What the Lord wants us to do is like, can we spot the gold, call that out, mm. affirm that and build, and that's how you start to build relational bridges for the gospel into people's lives mm-hmm. um, and where the Lord's at work. And because, you know, the invitation to follow Jesus is he wants to bring us into you know, into that fullness of life of you mm-hmm. becoming that person that he dreamt you could be and you can do the good works he's planned in advance for you to do so that you can make, obviously, it's about, there's an eternal perspective to that, but it's also about how the incredible difference that person, that redeemed person can make in the world today. So anyway, yeah. I have this word for about, um, I, I won't bore with all the details, but so I just say, as we're going out, I say, hey, you know, you've been so good. Thank you so much. She's, oh, it's been a pleasure to be with you guys, meet you. And I said, you know, Sometimes I find that when I'm with people, um, Jesus just shows me a little bit about who they are and what, what he dreams for them. Would it be all right if I just shared that with you? And like, it's good stuff. She goes, all right, yeah. So I just share this thing with her and she starts tearing up. And um, she's really deeply impacted. That she after like, So I was like, so for like a minute. And she goes, um, she says, well, I wish I'd recorded that. <laughs> so I said, well, here are the main points. Just go and write them down right now. And... Um, uh, but it, it was just a moment where that's an example of being naturally supernatural. Mm. Where you've gone out for a meal, it's a little romantic time for us, which it was, it was lovely. But at the same time, the law can still move and just touch, you know, a young woman who's basically kind of going around the world and trying to figure out who she is. And God had a word for her that just spoke life. Mm-hmm. That's it. what being supernatural is. Mm. It's not whizzy, it's not super showy. I'm only telling the story because, you know, it's an illustration now, but it's, it's, that's the lifestyle. That we're meant yeah. to be. Oh man. I mean, that you you guys know my passion about discipleship just being the, you know, the everyday stuff of life. Like we're doing it in every and that that's what that's one of the reasons why I really wanted you guys to be on this podcast, is because that's such a huge emphasis of what we're trying to do with Saturate is like we've made discipleship a program or an event, and it was always meant to be done in everyday life and around the table and through the normal experiences. And so you guys, you guys not only live that, but you're training people to do that well, especially in the supernatural, well, naturally supernatural way. So here's the question I wanted to ask is how, how do you help believers? How are you training churches to begin to, to learn how to live this, to step into it. What are some of the things that you've been training people in? I mean, just the story itself is already helpful, but a lot of people don't know, know even know how, how do I listen to the Spirit? How do I step into a moment like that and be attentive to what the Spirit's doing? What are some of the ways that you've been training people to do that? I think two key words that we come back to a lot are stop and listen. Because I think so often we just... We, we've got a to-do list. I mean, even when we pray, we, we you know, we come to the Lord with our laundry list, okay, blah, 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 you know, Lord, do this, do that, or whatever. But I think whether it's when we're praying, whether it's when we're at the dinner table, whether it's when we're about to go into a meeting or in a meeting or wherever, wherever it is, I think almost taking that step back and just stopping for even 30 seconds a minute and just saying, okay, Lord, what's going on here? Yeah. Dialing into the Lord. What firstly, what's going on? Show me what the Father's doing or whatever. But secondly, what do you need me to do? Is there something you want me to do or say? Or you know, so or in prayer. I mean, you know, the simple thing, you know, when you're praying, 
have that moment of pause as Lord, is there something you want to say to me right now? Mm. Or you want to say to this person I'm praying for right now? So, I mean, it's so simple. Those two words, stop and listen, I think is applicable for all sorts of situations. It's so simple, so practical. We can all do it. But I think it's remembering to actually stop for a few seconds even and just to listen, dial into what the Spirit is doing. Mm. I think uh, to, to build on that, you know, if Jesus tells us to um, go out, heal the sick, drive out demons, proclaim the kingdom has come, then that should be something we take seriously and we should try and do the same thing. Uh, I think like Hannah says, a foundational discipline and skill set is learning how to hear the voice of God for mm. ourselves, which I don't think is meant to be difficult. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Sheep are fairly dumb you know they just know how to hit the ship so i don't think it's meant to be rocket science uh, but that's what we're called to do so we obviously we've got lots of teaching and training and, and activation around that with folks uh healing the sick is a big thing um i think jesus loves to do that he hates jesus hates cancer way more than any of us do yeah. um you know he and all those things so i think that's an area working a lot deliverance um in spiritual warfare, in in this, well, there's lots of pathways to go down, being filled with the spirit and so on. But I think, and then also having a robust kingdom theology, which enables us to process the both the now but also the not yet of the kingdom, because not everyone we pray for is going to get healed in this life. Not everything we want to see happen is going to happen, and there's there is a heck of a lot of stuff where we're just like, I have no idea why it's like that, and mm. sometimes it's just horrible and it's it's rubbish. And um, I, th I think where a lot of people get hurt or disappointed um, is, well, let me say it differently. Where I think where a lot of people walk away from the work of the Spirit is because they've been in an environment where there's not been a theology or practice to process the disappointments and mm. frustrations. Mm. And I think that's, actually, I think that's where something like a theology of cessationism comes from, which, is believe, which says that the, 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 they say the sign gifts have ceased, which is completely unbiblical. I mean, there's no Bible for that whatsoever. But, but I think actually it comes from a, a wounded heart, a wounded spirit, because there's only so many times you can go around that mindset of, of praying and being disappointed. And then at some point you have to learn how to process that. The distance gets too great. I, I think there is a, a robust way we can do that where we can have our theological heads on really you know thoughtfully um but also pastorally it makes sense for people as well and so that's a, a significant area of teaching we try and work with churches and communities on as well mm. um, because i think we're meant to have this bold dynamic faith uh, and also we're meant to be thoughtful and, you know, we can study and learn and grow, which I know you're committed to, deeply committed to. Um, so it's not an either or, it's a both and. But I think we could be in this place where we're really, so one of the phrases we use a lot is we talk about persistent expectancy. So, and the thing about persistent expectancy is this, where I, I think Jesus wants us to come expectant that the spirit is going to move. So like that that story of that waitress or um, uh I'm, si I'm having a drink this evening with one of our neighbours who's one of my people of peace and uh, he's he's expressed healing when I've prayed with him. So, um, funny story this. So, uh, early on in 
at, right at the very beginning of COVID, uh, the, that first Easter when we were still locked down, that Easter when we all thought we'd be back in church by Easter, <laughs> that one. Um, <laughs> so we wrote to our street and we were doing, you know, caring for people. We said, one thing we said we do, we're going to do a little Easter day service on our front lawn, just come and be socially distanced. And what, and uh, my our neighbor's wife, who you know very well, mm-hmm. um, uh, she was, she came amazingly. She's got a Buddhist background. Mm-hmm. She's raised, she's half Japanese. So, but she stood furthest away from everyone. But and when we were gone outside, yeah. And she, she asked, Hannah was like leading that bit and you, you. Well, I just said, hey, how are you doing? And she said, oh, I can't even remember what it was, like stomach ache or something. And so we said, hey, we'd love to pray for you. How would you feel if we did that now? She said, that'd be great. So we were, there was probably 15 feet between us because she's on the, the sidewalk and we're on the lawn by the house. And so I just said, Jesus, thank you so much that you love Checo. I just pray that you come and heal her stomach right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Something super simple like that. And uh, we didn't actually follow up. No, no. And it was months later. Well, months later, I'd gone around and prayed for him, my friend, and when uh, he, he had COVID and the Lord healed him of it. And so the <laughs> next time I... For him. Yeah. And then the next time I saw that, I was going around, because we hang out around the fire pit some evenings, like we'll do tonight. And uh, I go then, he appears on his back, uh, out back, and she comes out on the back porch. And and Robin goes, goes to check. He says, oh, here's Alex. He's my great healer. <laughs> and then she goes, oh, no, but Hannah's the healer. Hannah's prayed for me. She's... <laughs> And they proceeded to have an argument about which one of us is the greater healer, Alex or Hannah. (laughs) I don't know the theology of it all. And they've actually carried that on in front of some other neighbours. The other neighbours are like, you know, just trying to work all this stuff out. So I think think there's an expectancy that when when you're with a a neighbour, wherever they are on their spiritual journey, we can pray. And of course Jesus wants to bring healing. So there's an expectancy. It's not entitlement, but there's a sense of it's faith. But there's a desire to be persistent because, you know, there's plenty of scripture. When when things don't happen right, when the disciples get frustrated, Jesus generally talks to them either about faith or perseverance, persistence. So we have to learn to be persistent. So that means sometimes you've got to pay twice or five times or 10 times, or sometimes it's going to be someone you're in community with and you're going to pray them a hundred times or as long as it takes, you're going to walk with them through the whole journey even if you don't get the outcome that you want you're going to walk with them as a as a body as a community of faith in that thing so it's learning to live in that tension i, I love that scripture where paul paul says in romans that we're to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn and i think sometimes we have to do them simultaneously mm-hmm. and i think it's in this area of the supernatural that we see that actually often worked out as well you know i i i'm struck by the the concept that we have got to train or help equip people to to learn how to deal with the disappointment that i hadn't i hadn't thought about that in terms of some of the reasons why some may have moved more towards a cessationist view um i mean i as you said it i think i've thought of it but i never thought to put it into that like hey this is a an actual thing we need to train people in or help people in because we do live in the already not yet. I'm, I am curious, um, what does that look like as you're helping people live with both the expectancy, but also the realism that we don't always get what we want? Like, What types of things are you helping them do to walk through the disappointment of things not always working the way they'd hoped? So one of the things we'll do is 
will point out to people that Jesus doesn't actually teach us in the Gospels how to heal the sick or how to drive out demons. So what he does is he models it on many, many occasions, and then he tells the disciples to do it, uh, presumably by, just by imitating him. And then it, then it says, repeatedly what it says is he then teaches about the kingdom. So clearly the kingdom is meant to be our defining paradigm for understanding this thing, because really it's, I mean, it's an eschatological science. It's a sign of, of the longings that we have. So when we talk about, you know, what we hope heaven's going to be like, and a popular culture has this as well. What Jesus is saying is, well, that, that, that's really like the full expression of the kingly rule, God's active rule in people's lives is heaven. So he says, you can pray that your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, so we can pray for that here in Long Beach, or in your case, in, in, you know, in Tacoma or uh, Seattle, as it is in heaven. So that's what we're called to pray for and to look for. But we also know it's not fully expressed until Jesus returns. So in this in-between time, so that the, the, you've got a really good visual, haven't you? Well, why don't you use the analogy of the the just yeah the, uh, the D Day landing? So basically, Second World War at the end when um, uh, the D Day landings occurred on the beaches of Normandy, and as soon as the Allies had basically, I mean, there was a tremendous loss of life, but once they breached those beachheads and you know properly got you know got into or over the beaches into the the French countryside everybody knew who was going to to win because yeah there was enough allies it was clear they were going to come and liberate uh, the oppressed etc but of course it I mean it wasn't for almost a year after that that victory in Europe was actually realized and some of the fiercest fighting happened in those last um, nine months or whatever it was because um, the um, the Nazis yeah, the Nazis were just so vindictive and so you know out to get whatever they they could you know wreak whatever whatever havoc they could. And so, I mean, again, I think that's a good analogy of, mm. I mean, I, I often point to spiritual warfare in this whole mm. thing of just mm-hmm. we're in this thing. The enemy knows he's lost. There yeah. will be a day when there is no sickness and no crying and no pain, but we're not there yet. And we're never going to see the, we'll see glimpses of it. Another analogy is like a slatted fence, like a picket fence. You have a slat, you see the kingdom come, you see the miracle. Actually, it's the other through. way around. Do you remember we've changed how we describe this? Well, yes. true. I mean, it's not like a so, nice, neat, regular. But, but it's like the, there's, sorry, I'm interrupting your story. You carry on. <laughs> <laughs> it's the gaps where you see the garden. Yeah, true. So the gaps almost is is where you see the breakthrough. You see the glimpse of the of the good things, the heaven, the beauty, and yeah. then that where it's nothing and nothing's happening. It's just a white piece of wood or whatever it is. And sometimes it seems to be a very big white of piece of wood, and then only a tiny little you know sliver where you just see this glimpse of what is to come and what's beyond. Mm-hmm. But it's um, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just the enemy is out to wreak whatever uh, havoc mm-hmm. he can, and he he's here to steal kill and destroy and he's gonna he doesn't fight fair (laughs) and so yeah but our theology and practice has to be built upon what jesus tells us to do not upon our experience and i think that's the weakness of the cessationist worldview is actually a theology built upon experience or lack of experience and so that now that you get the other end where you get the over-realized eschatology where you get people going well everything's just perfect now sort of thing you know um which is nonsense as well we know that's not true and that's that's the kind of unreality which people walk away from um mm-hmm. or where people blame the sick person who doesn't get healed <laughs> or you know all that stuff which is deeply unwise is unfair is, is partially daft um you don't want to do that stuff as well so we have to learn to live 
you know, like a lot of Christian practice, we have to learn to live within the paradox. And so I think this is a paradoxical situation, but nevertheless, we're still meant to lean into this, mm. even if sometimes, sometimes it goes really well. And sometimes it's like you feel like you're in a foxhole under intense bombardment, but we're still called to hold our, take our stands and hold that ground and to keep representing what Jesus tells us we're meant to represent, which mm. is the his active rule here on earth. Yeah. Therefore means we should be opposing sickness and sin and the enemy and all that stuff. Yeah. Oh man, that's so helpful. (laughs) One thing I've always appreciated about you both is the, there's no, there's no hype when I'm with you. Like you just are like just how you're speaking right now. It's just, it's just who you are. It just is very natural. And, uh, and very welcoming. And I, I do think some of that over-realized eschatology or even potentially abusive leadership around this concept has really wounded a lot of people. And and the the approach you guys have taken is so refreshing and so biblical. And I mean, I know that you probably could just teach every passage right now if I gave you enough time uh, that would encourage our listeners. But I think what I would encourage our listeners to do is like, get back to reading your Bible and looking at the life of Christ. I mean, it's there and it's so clear, so clear. And um, mm-hmm. you guys are faithfully representing Jesus so well in this. Thank you. I'm, I'm curious as I listen to that part, as you're doing this work, as you're training, as you're helping churches and believers, I'm sure you're still getting seeing obstacles and you've shared some of them already. What are some common challenges that people face and how are you helping them address some of those challenges? I think one of the big things is people haven't seen this whole natural supernatural thing modeled well. Okay, yeah. So people are often open, um, but they think, how do I do this in a non-hyped way so we try and give them some practical training and some tools i think a really powerful and helpful thing is to use if you can is story so when you do see something good happen and we are we ask the lord for fresh testimony all the time but you know for you know so that we can tell the stories and if it's not our story someone we know Mm -hmm. can we we share your story Mm because i think having stories of how this happens because people then get inspired they get the idea oh i could do that or you know faces is raised story is is massive when it comes to this sort of thing so that's one practical way yeah that's that's really good uh in first corinthians paul teaches obviously a lot about the gifts of the spirit and so in chapter 12 he, that he does list one of the lists of the gifts. Then he goes to talk about the body of Christ, which is not a change of topic. It's actually key part of this. So I think one of the things we see a lot in churches is people feeling that this is somehow reserved for the pastors or for the spiritual elite, where actually we think we propose is for everyone. This is genuinely mm-hmm. body ministry. Mm-hmm. So one yeah. of our little phrases we use is um, this should be simple enough that your seven-year-olds can do this. Mm. So we raised our boys to pray for healing from when they were teeny tiny. To hear the Lord. And to hear the Lord and, and all this sort Fight of stuff. darkness. 
Or yeah, that. and you do it in child appropriate ways, and there's still 30 seconds later going to be thumping their brother because there's <laughs> little children. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, not no, someone else's children as well. Uh, those were Jeff's kids. Those aren't our kids. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so I think there's a simplicity that's meant to be about this. We don't need to make it super difficult. It's just, and you know, John Wimby used to say, everyone gets to play. Mm-hmm. It's that mindset. We are all called to do this. So what's something, I mean, this is quite naughty. This is giving, this is a, this is a behind the, behind the curtain moment. So sometimes when we'll go to a, a church or a conference and, and teach about healing sick, so we'll teach about it, some theology and biblical ground foundation. And here's a best, here's, here's a great model framework for it. We use a five-step model, which actually Wimber initiated. We've kind of just tweaked the language a bit. Um, and, so well, then we'll normally offer to pray for someone who's got pain in their body right now because that's a measurable thing and hopefully the Lord moves. And and then then at that point we say, who else is sick? And suddenly there's loads of hands go up because everyone's got faith because they've seen the healing. And they're all thinking we're going to pray for them. And what we'll do at that point is say, right, everyone else, if you've not got your hand up, we need to look around the room and you're to get to twos and threes around people who've got their hands raised and you're going to pray for them. And so everyone kind of looks at you like, are you serious? <laughs> we're not praying for anyone. And we'll, we'll deliberately not pray for anyone in that moment because it's not about us. It's about yeah. it's about them. And sorry, you're going to say? No, we did this a couple of weeks ago yeah. in Christchurch, New Zealand, where yes. we were with the church. And it was great. All these healings erupted. And it wasn't us. Of course, hooray. Yes. It was the Holy Spirit working through all those people there. So and one of the yeah. favorites was this 18-year-old boy, his best friend, who was another 18-year-old boy, prayed for him. And he'd had this rugby injury for the last eight years or whatever. And he said, I'm completely better. Yeah. So there were several healings. There were a lot of healings, actually. And so I think that sort of, I think, body ministry is really important. I think another one is, again, in, in that same context of Scripture, of 1 Corinthians, Paul then goes on to talk about love. Mm. Uh, and the gifts, which of course we then completely misuse and rip out of context and use in our weddings. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, but I th- again, I think uh, it's, it's, it's very simple for people. But it's saying if we we need to come with a heart posture of love. So we, what are we, what are what? Okay, so say someone is poorly. Let's just say sickness as an example. It could be deliverance, whatever it is. There's a need. What what can I do? Well, I can't do any of the supernatural stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. It's not my gift to give. I can't supernaturally make someone better. I, if it's me against the devil, I'm going to get smushed because he's he's a lot bigger than me. So I can't do any of those things. Um, but what I what I can do, my responsibility is obviously connect with the Lord. But my responsibility is, can I bring the love? So the way I treat that person, the way I talk with them, the way I interact with them, if I lay a hand on them, the way I touch them, even if it's just a 30-second encounter, does that person leave that encounter feeling loved by me and hopefully they've encountered the Father's love for them? So I think the way I pr- we pray, so when we teach about prayer, you know, ministering to people, the prayer part really is you speak out, you minister out of the Father's love for that person. Mm-hmm. And we can bring that. And then it's the, then it's Jesus's job to bring the supernatural part. Yeah. Oh man. I can't control that because then even if they don't get the he- so it was healing, even if they don't get the healing looking after, it's still a step forward if they've really just felt embraced encounter. by yeah by the Father. Yeah, in- that's so good. Yeah, Paul. Paul said that the goal of our instruction is love, right? Exactly. And so it's like everything that we're doing is to see them encounter the the love of the Father, and. Uh, I, I I really appreciate your clarity on 
I, it's not me. I, I'm not the supernatural. Um, and it's it's Jesus bringing that to us. So it's beautiful. Yeah, and it's also very empowering because yep. it's not about do I have the right words, you know, when is, am I super anointed? I'm obviously anointing. Well, anyway, we won't get into that. You know, am I super, you know, it's just about, you know, can you just love this person and represent Jesus to them? Yeah, yeah. There's a couple things I want to restate that you guys said that I think are really, really important. One, people need to hear stories. Yeah. Like they they need to hear, this is real. This is really happening. It's really happening still today. Mm-hmm. They need to see it. They need to actually get to observe it because many have never seen it. And so you're giving a space for people to see it. But then third, you're giving them the opportunity to practice it themselves. So it's not just, hey, watch us. It's no, we're going to we're gonna let you get to experience what you were always made to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, this, isn't, this isn't meant to be reserved for a few. This is meant to be for everybody in the body. And uh, it's just so refreshing. Yeah. So good. I'm, I'm curious. Um, I'm going to give you a chance to tell us, tell people where to go to get more information about your ministry. Because I, like I said at the beginning, I think more people need to know you. I think more people need to have the experience that you even brought to New Zealand. And again, that's not, it's not you guys. I know it's, you're just normal people, but you are normal people who really do believe and walk in practice of these things that you're, that you're teaching others. And so I, I would love to have you guys share a little bit. How could people take next steps uh, to get, you know, access to what you're doing, uh, even reach out to you if they could be served by your equipping. And then the other thing I want you to do is I just want you to to leave us with a kind of a, a parting word, maybe a, an exhortation and encouragement that you want our listeners to hear as we, as we come to a close. Okay. So practically to get to connect with us, I'm going to suggest two things. So the first one is we have our website, which is dandelionresourcing.com, dandelion resourcing.com and then the second thing is we actually have we've had professionally filmed and created a a, what we call the naturally supernatural course which is uh comes with with handbooks kind of like an alpha course handbook that sort of thing but it's it's comes in six session blocks and we look at um, three different topics in each time. And there's always practical homework and it's designed to be done. You can do it individually, but it's particularly designed to be done in group life. Uh, there's kind of like training and video from us and it's like, stop the video, do this. Here, then, you know, here's discussion questions, here's activation exercises. There's a very, very practical homework each time you have to go and do and you have to kind of feedback the next time. And again, that's why it works well in groups. So that's, um, if you go to naturallysupernaturalcourse.com, naturally supernatural course.com then that's that's you can look at that and it's very inexpensive so that's just a resource that i think a lot of people are finding really helpful and that was the way we, we we did that deliberately to try and just multiply this out so on our on our website we have this free uh, weekly blog don't we that we, we do can, yes you can sign up to receive and it's yeah it's free we'll do a video a quick video normally yeah. the pair of us but it varies yeah. um so, on just things to do with either mission discipleship or but mostly naturally supernatural mm-hmm. uh stories or ideas or whatever it is um so sign up for that yeah parting words i think just sort of almost go for it and um even stop and ask the spirit came what risk do you want me to take today so maybe it's someone says i'm sick and you step out and pray for healing or maybe you're praying with or for someone you say lord give me a word for this person not necessarily that you have to share it but it's getting to that mindset of listening Mm -hmm. to what the spirit wants to say Mm -hmm. 
That's, That's good. Really good. <laughs> it's really good. I think that the thing I would say is when Jesus sends out the disciples and he first sends them, I think Mark 6 is an example of that. And it's like he'll sick, drive out some demons and stuff. Basically, they were completely clueless. Like it was so irresponsible to send them out. Were they even saying? It was all another conversation. Okay, it's before the cross. But anyway, it's so I always find that so encouraging because I don't have to be perfect. I can still have had a grumpy day or or done something dumb, but the law could still use me. So I think I want to say to everyone listening, Jesus can use you today. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Thank you so much, you guys, for sharing. Um, I already want to have you on again um, another time because I think there's so much more we could talk about, but you've been such a blessing to me personally and now to many, many of our listeners. So thank you so much. It's a real privilege. We love you, man. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for joining us for the Saturate podcast. I hope you are inspired and encouraged as well as receive some ideas of how you could take some next steps in the work God's called you to do in your own context. I want to let you know of another way that you might be able to receive some ongoing encouragement and equipping. You could visit saturatetheworld.com where we have a lot of our resources, our training, PDFs, videos, audio, a whole bunch of stuff to serve you in your journey towards being a disciple of Jesus who makes disciples in the everyday stuff of life. Now we're gonna provide a code for you to use if you'd like to try a two week free membership to our subscription-based services. That code, if you'd like to use it is podcast2023. That's one word, all lowercase, podcast2023. And we'd love to just invite you to check out what we have online so that you can see if it's something that might serve you and maybe serve the people that you also lead or work with as you consider what it would take for you to get more and more equipping. It's our desire to make this available to as many people as possible. And so everybody who eventually pays for a monthly subscription makes it available for free for people who can't afford it. We've had the honor of being able to give almost 500 free subscriptions away this last year, and we're hoping to give even more to those around the world who can't afford the membership. But if you can, we'd love for you to consider it. Try it for free for a couple weeks, see if it serves you well. And if so, love for you to continue on and be a Saturate member. Second, I want to invite you to consider being a Saturate partner. And that's someone who's committed to pray and or also give to support the work of gospel saturation. What we do is completely based on fundraising and the money that comes in through the subscription and some of the products we're able to sell. But the majority of our work is funded by people like you who just believe in the work and wanna see more of it done. So if you wanna pray with us and join us in praying for gospel saturation, send us an email at hello at saturatetheworld.com. Let us know you want to be a prayer partner and we'll begin to send you updates so you know how to pray specifically. And if you want to give, just go to saturatetheworld.com, click on the give button, and you'll see all the instructions there to help you take a step towards supporting the work as a Saturate partner. Again, thank you so much for listening in and I can't wait till you hear the next one. I hope we continue to encourage you with the work of gospel saturation in North America and around the world.